Welcome to episode 149 of The Space in Between. I am Phoebe Leona and I am so grateful you are here today because you are the one we've been waiting for. And that's what we're going to explore today is this idea of embodied leadership. Whether this is a concept you've heard of before, you are an embodied leader, or maybe this is something completely new. I am here to meet you where you're at and take you on a little journey. So before we do, when we talk about what an embodied leader is, first of all, and why it matters more than ever, and why it matters specifically for you, we're going to give you some announcements. So, and this actually has very much to do with what we're talking about today. So, um, we have a beautiful summit happening at the end of this month that is called Reimagining Embodied Leadership. And I'll talk a little bit more about the why in this talk today, but I felt called to bring together various people that I'm blessed to have in my life and other people that I just met for the first time. Um, but they all are leaders in some way. Some are your, you know, sort of your typical leaders running leadership roles in business and in the military um, or military communities. Some are working with veterans. Um, others are more in the spiritual healing psychotherapy realm. And we also have a couple of leaders in the arts. So I wanted to have conversations with a number of different people who might from the outside look like, yes, okay, they're leaders, but they're leaders of very different worlds. But to have these conversations and see that there is a thread through all of them and to start to connect the dots for yourself in your life, whether you say that you're considering yourself uh, to be a leader or not, um, you can take ownership of your life. So when I talk about in a little while being the CEO of your life, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to go out and start your own business and become a CEO of your company, but really taking ownership of your life, really stepping into that, being the chief executive officer of your life having agency over your life, having sovereignty over your life so that no one is taking the power over you, but you have the power of and with the people that you co-create with on a day-to-day basis, whether that's within your family, your community, your job, um, your career path. And it felt like a really necessary conversation to have right now because there are so many leadership roles in the external world, like on a bigger scale, that are maybe not very much in alignment with what we're feeling as a collective, and they're not really fully representing um, what we are. We're also seeing a lot of systems crumbling Uh, Every day I open up and they're talking about the banks. Yeah, right now as I'm recording this. And so how we can look at all of these systems and structures and people who we seem to just sort of assume are okay and they're kind of holding these containers for us 
and we can go on with our day-to-day lives. But as we're looking at it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is greatly affecting my life. Um, But is it, right? So these are the conversations that we're going to have today and in the summit is allowing these paradigms, these old paradigms of structure and form to crumble to make space for a new paradigm shift. And I'm really excited about today's conversation and where we're going in the summit. So at the end, I'll share a little bit more about the summit and how you can be a part of it. But there is a link in the show notes that you can join and it is a free summit and you can be a part of it with us. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more deeply now about embodied leadership. What is this? First of all, what is embodied leadership? And, you know, you can Google search this and you'll have a lot of uh, organizations talking about embodied leadership. Um, And for me personally, I feel that embodied leadership is moving from the head, leading from the head, thinking our way through things more the masculine way of leading, leading also from ego to moving it down into the heart. And I should say when we sit, when I say this, it's more integrated. So I'm not saying just leave the strategies, leave the, you know, thinking our ways through it and just go through our heart space. It's actually the full integration of it. It's being embodied, being in, first of all, the body, the, this word somatic is also that very intertwined with this word embodiment. And it's just soma means body. And so when we are in our physical body, we're not up here in our head, just thinking our way through things, but we're fully integrated. We notice, we use our body as a tool, as information. So when we feel, and we already have these sayings in our life, like I felt it in my gut, I feel it in my heart, right? But to really fully, truly connect with it, notice those spaces where your body is communicating, um, this is going to help us be more integrated, not fragmented, which I feel has been really showing our shadows have really been showing us this fragmented leadership for the last several years. So I'd say like eight ish years, if not before that, but really moving from this fragmented version of leadership. And I'm talking about leadership of any sort of system or community, right? Um, Becoming more holistic, becoming more integrated, becoming, um, giving yourself that permission to live and move from the heart so that when we are tapping into this space of integration, full integration, we are more in touch with our own emotional landscape. When we're in touch with our own emotional landscape, we understand the stories that we carry, right? We understand our own traumas. We understand our own triggers of those past traumas. And this will help us discern when we're in these situations with other people, we can discern, ah, this person is really creating some angst in me. And now I know, okay, I don't necessarily have to react because now I'm feeling it in my body and I'm realizing 
this is an old story I'm carrying. Because what I should go back and say is that we can think our way to a certain way and just, you know, recognize that and see that as data and change our thoughts. But our our bodies, we have what we call fascia, our connective tissue, are actually holding the stories subconsciously, unconsciously in our body. And so we might not fully realize the why, the why the story is, is triggering us, this person in front of us is triggering us, but we can understand, okay, when I'm with this person and I'm feeling this angst, I'm realizing, yeah, there's something in my body telling me. I might not necessarily know why, but now I can just sit with it and witness it and be with it and realize there might be something deeper going on here that I'm not aware of yet. And then that's for you to discern, to to de- dig in deeper and figure out the why and try to transform it. But Or just really, the more important thing is to really be present with that person and feel into your own emotional landscape. Know that what is yours, what is truly yours, and setting a boundary by doing that. And then maybe it is that you're actually sitting with this person and realizing, ah, they carry a lot of angst. They feel very unsettled. And whenever they come into my my field, my energetic field, I'm picking up on that. So then you become more, you become um, more aware of your empathy. You become more aware of there's energy that is not necessarily mine, but it might be of somebody else's. And so when you're in this leadership role, you first have to discern, okay, this is my emotional landscape that I'm dealing with. Okay, I might need to shelve that for a moment, but this is actually not mine. This is with other. This person who just entered my space is carrying that and they have a story. Now, I don't necessarily know to, need to know the why, but it gives you the power to hold that space for it to transform, whether it just be for yourself and say, okay, this is not mine. I'm going to release it now. Or say, okay, I'm in a space that I can hold it for this person and maybe really see if they need to be seen and heard and felt. So we become this empathetic leader. We get to really be able to help other people through their own awareness and transformation. And when we start to recognize this in specifically the people that we're working with and and co-creating with, we also begin to understand their strengths and their weaknesses. And this isn't to use against them when I say weaknesses. It's really to say, okay, this person has a great strength in how they show up for other people but they might not necessarily do the same for themselves, right, as an example. And so they might need to always have them in some sort of role to support other people, but also you might need to give them like an assignment to make sure that they are taking care of themselves, right, and to check in with them every once in a while and say, are you, you know, taking those days off? Are you making sure you know you're going on vacations, filling up your cup again, right? So that they don't become depleted because if they're depleted and they're supporting this other team and they're really good at that, but they are running low on their own self-care, they can't be there for that group. So you get to start to see, 
okay, what's their energy? As a leader, you get to see the other person's energy. What's their strength? What's their weaknesses? And then put them in a place and support them from that place so that they can thrive and the whole community can thrive. And then once we start to do this as embodied leaders, we become more fully integrated within ourselves, within our community. We start to move from a a very... Um, a very authentic place. And I, when I say authentic, and this is a word that gets, you know, sort of moved around a lot these days, is it's truly being able to be yourself, yes, but also to be vulnerable in those places that will help you become more connected with, with the people that you're co-creating with. And this is another word that we really talk about is that vulnerability. And I'm not going to go too deeply into this today because I've done talks around it and, you know, go to Brene Brown. She's the master of of, um, understanding, unpacking vulnerability. But what I'm going to say today about being authentic and vulnerable is when we're being vulnerable in the places of leadership, it's really in in a place of not getting attention for the sake of attention. Right? But it's really being vulnerable, and I'm going to share a story about this in a little bit, so maybe it'll make more sense, is so that you can feel more connected with people in your group and for them to see you in another perspective. Because especially if you're in a leadership role, they might have you on a pedestal, whether that you put yourself on that pedestal or they did, or the system that they're a part of did, Um, there's that maybe there's a hierarchy they get to see you as this human this authentic human and they get to connect with you and because of that connection they can be invited into and given permission to be more authentic themselves right and that's going to connect everybody closer to their purpose and really move from that place of of truly being able to work together in a place that feels inclusive and safe and open, which is really the whole point of all of this, is that we really move into that place of feeling safe, included, um, like warm, fuzzy, whatever the words are in the spaces that you want to create so that you feel that you can thrive and everybody in that container can thrive. So... That's my very long answer of what embodied leadership is, but now I'm going to go backwards a little bit and talk you through the points that I just said in a slightly different way with some stories. So I came up with this idea of, you know, I work with the military sometimes and they love their acronyms and I've like become like, yeah, (laughs) become a, a fan of the acronym too. So you know, as I was sitting with this definition of embodied leadership for myself, I came up with this idea of becoming your own CEO, right? Stepping into this, your own CEO. Um, and I saw CEO as standing for something that is embodied leadership. So C is centering, being able to center and be in your own being, right? That integration that I was speaking of, of heart and mind. E is that understanding your own emotional awareness and landscape so that you can become more empathetic 
with others. And then O is open, inclusive, safe spaces for yourself and for everyone else. So when I was sitting with all of this, I was like, okay, you've got to hold yourself accountable, Phoebe, because that's part of embodied leadership is looking at, you know, not in a place of shame of like your, my failures, but how can I grow from these experiences, right? They might have been a failure in that moment, but I really use them as an opportunity for growth. And that's really part of the embodied leadership too, is not to just bottle it down and ignore it and pretend that it'll never come back, those failures, or sit in the bowl of, you know, shame and just wallow in it and let it swallow you up, right? It's really, how do you move from it? You know, these are, these failures are gifts and they're lessons, So I kind of journaled a little bit about what, what my, where I was lacking in terms of embodied leadership. And the main thing that I was seeing for myself was a couple, well, the main thing was, and it comes to, I think it connects to all of these stories that I have is clear boundaries. I didn't really have clear boundaries when I was first stepping into a leadership role of my own company the Nomad Collective, and I really, it came from an authentic place of really caring for people, and I really wanted to make sure that they, everybody that I was teaching and serving and working with would be, um, you know, having a good time, quote unquote, a good time in whatever way that meant, whether they felt safe or they were having an enjoyable time on a retreat, Um, so I, it came from a lot of my own codependency issues with living with um, a father at the time. He, you know, what we called him was, was a drug addict, but he was really dealing with PTSD. But either case, whatever the diagnosis was, there was, a, there was a bit of codependency, which definitely bled into my, um, my marriage. And so I just, just I continued to unconsciously carry that with me in these roles that I was playing with my students and with the people that I was co-creating of, you know, wanting to really take care of them and not really setting clear boundaries. And it got really confusing for myself. It got really confusing for them. And I think that I did lose a couple of students in that because, um, you know, when I did come into it, it would, sometimes it would trigger my own, my own, um, trauma, and so I would sort of shut it off all of a sudden and get really cold and in a place of protection. So there was like a little bit of this codependency, this intertwining of like, you know, those lines being gray of student, teacher, coworker, um, co-creator, um, and, and friend as well, kind of mixed in there it was like all of these roles we were all playing, but then it was sort of like not defined when the time came to, you know, be in one of those roles that was needed to be specific. So one of the examples that I have, and this goes with the centering of the C of CEO, was one of my first bigger retreats in Bali was back in 2000, I think 17. And I had been doing retreats for a while. Um, I was relatively, I mean, I was definitely dealing with the boundary issues, but this one in particular was, 
like right in my face. Like I did not set clear boundaries. My grandmother came on the trip, which is absolutely fine. I absolutely love my grandmother, but usually I had my own room so that I would have a bit of space for myself in the morning before I taught, um, you know, at the end of the day, I could wind down a little bit, not really have to, you know, deal with anybody and just really take care of myself. But this trip in particular, we shared a room. So I had literally like no real physical space that was my own that I could, you know, do my rituals of sort of cleansing and preparing for my day. So I always had to go outside into more communal spaces or wait till she was gone or sleep or something. So it just felt like somewhat constricted for myself. And then I also had, it was on the other side of the world. So there was a lot of travel involved and the group traveled together, which again, I don't usually do. I usually travel alone or with a, with my assistant so that I could, you know, just again, have a little bit of time, arrive there first, set up my space. But we all, there was a group of us that traveled together, including, you know, getting my grandmother to the airport and everything. So there was a lot of like, already boundaries were not really clearly set for myself. And so it was just building these, you know, these boundaries were just like continuously just being crossed and nobody's fault at all. Um, And so what was happening was we were going actually really deep. And this was because this group was ready for it to a certain extent. Um, The place, I think Bali was just this very expansive space for and and kind of took everybody's breath away and they were just so ready like people that maybe not necessarily knew that that was a capability of them to go so deep and heal wounds um rather fast um and so it was it was bringing up a lot of stuff it was bringing up a lot of people's stories and so outside of the classes and outside of the day activities I spent a lot of time sitting and listening to people unpack their stories one after another and after another. So that meant that I didn't have a lot of space, again, even less space now, because not just was it outside of the container of teaching, but like it was expanding into all of these sort of quote unquote free times where I could have found that that time to ground down. So there was like, there was no place for center for myself and so at the same time (laughs) I was getting my period I think it was like one of the last days I was feeling the you know the physical symptoms and at that time I was having really horrible physical experiences of my menstruation um a lot of pain a lot of um yeah I'll just stop there but yeah it was it was not fun and so there was this one day in particular, all the stories were coming. Everybody was like coming there, sharing. I don't remember all of the details, but everything was just building up. Like I felt like, and it was quite interesting because at the time um, there was a volcano that a uh, gong was like starting to erupt. <laughs> I think it was like a few days after we left. But um, so, but I felt like that. I felt like all of this energy because I had no center. I had no boundaries that I set for myself were just like coming to a head and I just one day I exploded in class. I was like, I can't teach you all. I started crying. I was like, I'm not in a place where I can teach you. And I bolted out and I think I definitely upset a lot of people. Um, 
but it was because I didn't have that center. I exploded because I didn't give myself those clear boundaries so that I could truly be there for myself and be there for my people. And so what I learned from that was I always have to have my own room. (laughs) I always have to make sure that if I do travel, um, if I do have to travel with the group, that I do still give myself, you know, a lot of time to integrate by myself. So not just jumping in with the group the whole time, but like, you know, I love you all, but I'm going to go to my room and take a little bit extra time to unpack my things and, and also use that as an opportunity to encourage them to do the same for themselves as well. So I really started to see, okay, what was that lesson that I had? What did I lack that built up to that, right? And then how can I really use that as an opportunity to set these boundaries? And the other thing that came out of it was that I'm never going to do this alone. I'm always going to have an assistant with me so that this person can handle the logistics and I can handle sort of the energies of the the group, each person. Um, That way, that would give me a little bit more time to ground down and, and be more present there energetically. So that's my example of making sure whatever role you're in, that you clearly set those boundaries, you set up rituals so that you can remain in your center. And for you, that might not necessarily mean that you're organizing a retreat, but it's like, what do you need to do in the every morning? Whether it's five minutes in the day or setting aside, purposely setting aside an hour a day before you start your day and you start to talk to people, what do you actually need so that you can step into that role or roles that you play throughout the day with that sense of this is my center. This is how I'm feeling today. And then maybe there's something on the other end of the day, like an evening ritual, so that you can wind down and not take the energies of your day with you into your sleep and really fully rest. And there might be some midday rituals, Maybe quick go-tos, just slowly closing your eyes and breathing for five breaths when you feel sort of those emotional triggers, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So that's my invitation to you if you don't already have some sort of morning or evening or midday rituals or practices, what can you do to keep you in your own center space? And so E being emotionally aware. Another buzzword is being emotionally intelligent. But I think in order to be intelligent, you first have to be aware, (laughs) right? Become aware of what your emotional landscape is because it's different for everybody, right? Anger might fester in your body very differently the way that it festers in my body, right? So you might get you know, you might start to sweat, you might to feel it in your gut, you might get, you know, your face gets boiling, like hot and, and red. Um, there are lots of ways, right? You might be, you might be that person that bottles it up inside, you might be the person that neat, like, just lashes out at people and reacts and expresses themselves through their words, or they're physically angry, right? So everybody is going to experience anger in a different way, as an example. So I remember, I, okay, before I say this story, I truly believe also that we're all empathetic. We are all picking up energies of other people, whether you're conscious of it or not. So 
when we start first understand our own emotional landscape, we understand the stories that like, ah, okay, that's why every time this person comes around, I feel agitated. Like I said before, because it might be triggering an old story of somebody else that was very similar to them, right? So once you start to understand your own emotional landscape, what, what kind of sensations it gives you in response to them, that's like beautiful. That's your first step to emotional awareness. And the more and more you start to fine tune it and you start to understand, you use those centering practices those rituals in the morning and the night, they'll help you regulate when you feel that that emotional landscape is getting a little off, right? It's pulling you off your center. That's where you build that emotional intelligence muscle. And then from all of that, you build your empathy muscle. And like I said, I really truly believe everybody is empathetic. You're picking up everybody's energy, whether you realize it or not. Your body is your your subconscious, right? You might not be thinking, ah, oh, this person's here and I can, you know, I can feel that they're angry today, but your body's going to catch it. They're going to, your body's going to feel their posture and the way that they enter the room and your body, whether you're conscious of it or not, is responding too. So when we realize this, we can start to bring that awareness, empathetic awareness into the space. And so an example I have of this was when I was married, I remember I would I was living in New York City and I would go, um, you know, I was teaching a class or coming from a rehearsal. I don't, it was, you know, different every time teaching a client. It was something that I was doing that served my purpose, that I left feeling really good. And I remember particularly these days that I would leave and I would feel really good and it was really nice outside, like spring or summertime or early fall. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk through the park today. So sometimes I'd walk through Central Park or Riverside Park because I lived on the Upper West Side. So I'd take the scenic route home and I was just like so tapped into the energy of the birds and the trees and the flowers and the beautiful people walking by that I even felt like they might be smiling at times. Um, and, and I felt really open and love and connection and like in line with my purpose. And then I would enter my home, which was my workspace, was the workspace for my ex-husband and he had not had the same experience that I had. He had been in there all day long dealing with the stress of his job. And so as soon as I'd walk in, I would feel his energy and he would like come at me and tell me about his day and sort of word vomit on me for a little bit of time. And then all of a sudden I'd find myself sinking into the couch, like, "Uh uh-huh, 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 just listening and not fully connecting that I was absorbing his energy. I was sort of like, why am I so tired now? Why do I feel stressed? And I didn't fully connect it. And that's a sign of, you know, being able to pick up other people's energies. That's a sign of being empathetic to a point that it's a a flaw, right? That you're not setting those boundaries of going, okay, this is theirs and and that's that's not mine. And so I, I gave my power over in a way to him. So... In now in a leadership role, 
what happens is, and I kind of already spoke to this, is when we are so centered in our own body, we understand our own emotional landscape and we have that emotional intelligence to understand, okay, this is how I, I'm feeling. This is how my body's responding to a story, to uh, an energy and emotion. And then somebody enters the space in with me, it's clients or students with you. It's, it might be your coworkers or your family members right? Or friends. And so when they enter, you have to be so clear on what's yours that when they enter, you can feel their energy enter their space. And you can quickly discern, okay, this is mine. This is theirs. And you can make a choice then on how to hold that space. Maybe sometimes, and this goes right into our O, open, inclusive spaces, safe spaces, Right, you can discern, okay, this person right now needs me to just listen. They just need me to listen. And I might ask them a question. Maybe they didn't come in consciously knowing that they were going to talk about this, but maybe I can ask a question for them to just speak what they need to speak because they need to be seen and heard and felt. So I'll just listen. There might be other times that they very well know that they have something that they need to work through and talk through. They're having a frustration and they might need some guidance. They come to you specifically and like, I don't know about this Y and Z, right? And so you can actually say, okay, you can see it from that bird's eye view. This is the beautiful gift that we have as leaders is that we can zoom in to that micro level of what what the strategy is what the conversation is the layer that's underneath it but then we can zoom out and see the bigger picture so you're able to really zoom in and zoom out with the energy that is there in that space And as I said before about these open spaces open safe and inclusive spaces They look different for everybody, but what is important is first to understand what is it for you? What is an open, safe, inclusive space feel like for you, first of all, before you go out and create it for others and hold that for others, but what is it for you? And actually, I had just a conversation last night with with one of my trainees. She's an active duty in the army. She, um, she's doing the yoga teacher training with tribe right now, and she's in the 300 hour yoga teacher training program. So she's gone the two, gone through the 200 hour. She is a captain now. She just got promoted. So she has, she's moving up the ranks in, in her career path in the army, army, but she comes in and she teaches yoga and she's so sweet and so loving. And she comes in with this really, really soft energy. But it also, it kind of comes off wishy-washy that like, it feels a little bit confusing. She just really wants everybody to feel good and like, make sure you have your water, everybody. And, you know, here, do this or, or don't do that. Like, she's just very, like, very sweet and loving to them and trying to like, make sure that they feel good. But to a point that they're confused they're like kind of looking around at her because the the cues that she's giving is like not being super clear because she just wants everybody to feel good and happy, but she's doing it to a point where it gets lost. 
And so what I said to her yesterday was, bring a little bit of that captain here and you know, like hold the space. You've got to like create that container of like, this is, you don't have to be mean to them, but like come in and say, okay, this is what we need to do today. These are our boundaries. We're working on our mat today, right? We're doing these postures today. This is what we're working towards. This is the, the theme or the idea. And you're giving them these parameters, but within the parameters, you can give, you can give them the space to make their own choices, but you don't have to make all of the choices for like micromanage and try to make all of the choices for everybody, but just hold that container, give them that safe space that feels like, ah, okay, I'm clear. I understand what we're doing here today. This is the agenda. I can make my choice to stay in child's pose if I want to, or I can move all the way into where you're taking us but I get to choose as a student, right? And so what I was saying is like not to be wishy-washy. Wishy-washy does not equal safety. It's actually the quite the opposite of it. So that's an example of like, that's what you want to sit with is like, what does safe actually mean for you? And how can you create that for yourself? And once you feel that for yourself, you're going to embody it and you're going to bring it into those other spaces that you're holding for other people. So those are my CEOs, yeah, centering. And I didn't really touch too deeply on this because there's so much more layers to it, but centering, when you feel more centered, you're also centering your nervous system, you're calming your nervous system, and you can move into a space of more being creative and curious. We'll go into that talk another time. E is that emotional awareness into emotional intelligence and then being more empathetic. And then O is creating those open, safe, inclusive spaces so that everybody feels more authentic and vulnerable and truly in a space of of thriving. Yeah. So from all of that, that is my why for this summit that I spoke about earlier, this Reimagining Embodied Leadership Summit is because we need more people who are willing to step into all of the roles in life, our leadership roles in my my book, right? Like you're the you're the CEO of your own personal life, you're the CEO of your your family. Doesn't matter where you are in that hierarchy if you're the mom, the dad or the child or whatever, but like you can have agency in that community. Right? Not power over anybody, but power of yourself and with the people that you're with. The CEO of your company, the CEO of your social movement, your hobby, your friendship group, whatever it is, like you come in with that air of that sovereign energy, right? That that actually is more magnetizing when you step into it. And why that's so important is because whatever role that you're in, in that moment in time and space, it is the ripple effect that will make the changes of this world, right? When people see how empowered you are, how embodied you are, they're going to say, I want that. I want that for myself, right? And so just you being you in that way, in that light, you will affect the people in your inner circle and they will continue to ripple it out because they'll begin to be more embodied and then they'll continue to roll it out and roll it out and roll it out until you're this beautiful ripple 
all the way out into eternity. We are the leaders we have been waiting for, my friends. And so we don't need to wait. That's what I think is happening in this paradigm shift is we don't need to wait for all the people that we elected or just happen to be presidents of big companies that rule the world. Right? We don't need to rely on them to do the things that somehow provide the life that we have right now. But we are the leaders. We are the leaders that we have been waiting for. It starts with us. Not out there, as far beyond your reach. No, it starts right here within you. And so this summit, again, is bringing together leaders in the military, in the veteran community, um, business, I'm trying to remember everything, arts, creativity, uh, also in the embodiment world, because I want you to, if this isn't a language that you're used to, really get used to understanding how to be more embodied, how to look at what we typically see as leadership roles, how they're even bringing this idea of embodiment into their life so that it just becomes more of like a household name for yourself, right? And to see that it's possible to see that it's possible and inspire you to be you. So I would love for you to be there. We start April 24th. It's a, it's a podcast style uh, summit. So that means that th- for the majority, our interviews are pre-recorded. So you can listen at your own time. We'll be releasing three a day during a week. And you will have access to these for free, but if you do VIP, which is only $33, you have lifetime access as a VIP, but you'll have access for a few days at a time, these interviews for the free. And you'll get to really dive into these conversations. And we have a workbook there so you can take notes and really, you know, experience it for yourself and sort of formulate how you want to reimagine your own embodied leadership. Uh, And then we also have a few free live experiences with me and at the end some of my special guests that you get to connect with on a deeper level Um, so that is that if you've been feeling your heart tugging and saying listen to me it's time for you to step into your authentic you answer the call join us a Reimagining Embodied Leadership Summit. I would love to see you there. All right, my dear friends, have a beautiful day. Thank you for being here and thank you for being you.